following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, John 11, I was, <coughs> I can't help but notice Sloan back there and, and uh, Lane is holding the songbook up to him and I'm thinking, okay, any minute now, uh, uh, Sloan's going to go, okay. Didn't quite do it, but he's getting there, amen. Amen, Sloan? Sure, Pastor, sure. Amen. All right, John 11 tonight. Actually, what he was doing was trying to instruct his dad in singing. Amen. John 11. And we'll begin in verse 12, John 11. And uh, looking at verse 12. Then uh, said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought he had spoken of his taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, Plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto him, unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it. Thee again, we're continuing to talk about the glory of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, Father, as we consider the subject tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd teach us from thy word. Father, thank you uh, for the truth that uh, we all heard one day when we saw the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. And Father, Thank you that we received Christ. We turned from our sins and repentance and trusted the Savior, uh, believing on him with all of our heart. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we consider that glory again in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ and his work, I pray, Father, that you would help us to appreciate our God more and more all the time. Father, bless us, help us. Lord, prepare us for uh, the week to come, Lord, as we worship thee on the first day of a new week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the glory of God. Again, as we've talked about, we've talked about the glory of God and the beloved friends of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of God in sickness, sorrow, and death. And we began to talk about the glory of God and the will of God. If you look with me to verses, uh, uh, and we won't read again the entire passage, verses 14 to 24, we find here um, that that something is going on here that's important. Uh, you know, it, it's sad because in one sense we see that Lazarus has died. And then in verse 15, it, it, Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes uh, uh, that I was not there. In one sense he's saying I'm glad, in one sense that Lazarus has died. And you say, boy, that's a tough thing to have to hear the Lord say. And yet uh, he did not say it without concern. He was not callous in why, what he said and why he said it. He understood that what had happened had fallen out to the will of God and the glory of God uh, in, in, as its goal and aim. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we began to talk about and talked about this morning, the will of God is always what's best for the children of God to the glory of God. In verse 14, 
Lazarus is dead. And you say, wow, you know, it was, you know what? I'm thinking in my own heart that while he was sick, they imagined that there was hope and that it might very well be uh, the will of God that he recover. And they'd sent word, maybe expecting that Christ would come, and yet he hadn't come, and he hadn't come, and now Lazarus is dead. And they're having to face what sometimes we have to face, that sometimes it is the will of God that someone we love and care about has to die. It is their time, if you will. Now, we know that in this circumstance, he's a younger man. He has died, and yet it has fallen out according to the will of God. And folks, whether we live or die, the will of God is most important in our lives as Christians, and God determines his will for us. We don't determine our, his will for ourselves. And it was God's will for Lazarus to die. And the Lord had something he was going to accomplish because of it. And uh, we know that it was what was best even for Lazarus. And some would say, well, why, you know, why, why let him die? As a matter of fact, in verse 32, <clears throat> verse 32, excuse me, verse uh, uh, <clears throat> Oh. Verse, 22, or verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. She's struggling with the fact that this is what the will of God has turned out to be. She didn't understand maybe that it was the will of God that Lazarus died. Then verse 32, even Mary is struggling. And then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Both of them are thinking the same thing. Lord, if you'd just come, if you'd just been here, if you'd just been on time, uh, surely my brother had not died. Not knowing that it was the will of God that Lazarus died. And it was the best thing for Lazarus, and it was the best thing for those that were observing all that was going on and what would go on. And yet sometimes, folks, we can't see things the way God sees them. Sometimes we don't always know the will of God as God does know the will of God for us. If you look with me to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, as we talked about this morning, God has a purpose and plan here. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Who would have imagined, who would have imagined that even death was a part of all, the, all things that work together for good to them that love God? We know that Lazarus loved the Lord. The Lord loved Lazarus. And you know what? The Lord is never, is never going to do us wrong. Never lose sight of that for a moment. Sometimes in the midst of a loss and sometimes in the midst of great difficulty, maybe we're tempted to think, boy, you know, what is going on? Why would the Lord let this happen to me? Why? We don't always know why, but you know what, folks? Let us never judge the heart of God in the midst of sometimes difficult circumstances. We're tempted to. The devil would like us to say, oh, oh, look what God's done to you now. Yeah, really, he really cares about you. 
be sure of this, God always. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That is a promise of God. It's a part of the character of God to care for his people. And sometimes in the middle of the will of God, when we've suffered loss, we may be struggling with this thing, thinking, you know what? How could this be something that's good? How could it be good? And you know, it would be easy maybe for myself to say, not having lost a loved one of these two women and others, oh, well, surely it's the will of God and you should just accept it without any care and concern. Remember, folks, we're not robots. And God knows that. God knew what these people were struggling with. But yet it was still the best thing for Lazarus and everyone concerned with him. It was the best thing. It was the will of God. It was what was best. It's sad sometimes, but it is true. In Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, we talked about some of this. Luke chapter 9 and verse 20. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answered, answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them that they uh, and uh, charged them and commanded them not to tell them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised again the third day. Now you know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter twelve that Christ, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. Now even Jesus Christ would give his life. It was the will of God that he give his life for you and I. And if he had not, if he had not, we would not have life. Either in this life or in the next life. We would not have that. But he was willing to do the will of the Father. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to do the Father's will and die. And you know what, folks? Die for the glory of God. Die for the good of other people. Die for the good of other people. As we read on, and he said unto them all, verse 23... And he didn't just die, he rose again the third day, amen, for our justification. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he shall gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him Shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come into his glory, his own glory, and in his Father's and of the holy angels? But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God uh, come. Now, you know, folks, in the Christian life, it is, it is a normal part of the Christian life to, uh, to live a life of self-denial, and sacrifice and death and not necessarily physical death but folks sometimes a death in ourselves a death to our own selfish wants and desires 
a willingness to give up that which we might think is important, give it up for somebody else. Give it up for the good of other people. And you know what? When God asks that of us, asks that of us, it is for our good. It is for us to be like the Lord. You know, folks, Christ, Christ never thought of himself. Now, can we say that of ourselves? Probably not. Can I say that of myself? Probably not. There are times when all of us think of ourselves only and we don't consider what good may come even from a loss, even from a death, even from difficulty in our life because it is the will of God and it is yet always good for us. And folks, you know what? Not only is it always good for us, but secondly, the will of God is the work of God in the children of God to the glory of God. You know what, folks? It is God's work in us. You know, God wants us to deny ourselves. He wants us to take up our cross. He wants us to follow the Lord. He wants us to die. To die when necessary. To die when necessary. But folks... That is not something that we can accomplish on our own. It's a work that God does in us, helps us to see the importance of. If you look back to our text in John 11 and verse 14, John 11 and verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, he said that because he knew what he was going to do. He knew the power that was in work in this entire situation, in all the circumstances that were going on. The power of God was there at present, working in all kinds of hearts, in all kinds of situations, especially in the hearts of his people. He was trying to accomplish some things, and he would accomplish many things in John 10. Backing up again, John 10 and 14 Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my word, my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And folks, the same power he spoke of that caused him to lay down his life, knowing that no one took his life, he gave it up. He gave it up, and then he took it again. He died and rose again the third day. That same power that Christ spoke of that he would fulfill in his death and resurrection is the same power that he is going to fulfill in the life of Lazarus. He is working in the life of Lazarus. He is working the life of Lazarus' family. He's working out his purpose, his will, his plan for them and for others that were observing it all. You know, God takes one set of circumstances and works on many levels in many hearts, in many different ways, always to accomplish the great purpose of fulfilling his will and glorifying himself. 
And you know, sometimes when I say and I talk about God seeking to glorify himself, on one hand that may seem selfish, but it's never selfish. Because folks, whatever glorifies good, God is good for you and I. Always it's good for us. Even if it's difficulty. And then on top of that, it's good for other people. Because, folks, God works out his purpose, his will on us, and, folks, his chief will is that we uh, behave, become like Christ to the glory of God and to the good of those that are watching. It's important, folks. People are watching us. When you say that you're a Christian, you know what you've done? You've marked yourself. You've marked yourself sometimes for special observation by other people. Sometimes you've, you know what you've done? You've taken and put yourself in the goldfish bowl. You know, I had goldfish twice in my life, and I had nothing to do. But I, all I could do was kill them. I was a fish murderer. I could never keep a goldfish alive for nothing. I remember one time I went and bought one, tried to bring it home. I dropped it in the parking lot, in the bag. Well, you know where the water went? You know where the fish went? He laid there and flopped in the bag, and then he died. He expired. Say, what a terrible person. He, well, yeah, I was a fish killer. Now, and then occasionally I go fishing, and I manage to catch something and bring it out on purpose. To kill it, need it. I'm horrible. <clears throat> you know, we're li we live in a goldfish bowl. In a way, we live in a goldfish bowl. We're there, and you know that... You know, well, I don't know why they make them this way. Goldfish, it's just this bowl. You can see everything at all times. <clears throat> and there must be a way to keep them alive. I just haven't found out what it is yet. <clears throat> and when people tell me they're going to get a goldfish, I'm thinking, don't bother. You're going to kill it anyway. But we do live in a goldfish bowl. People are paying attention. They're watching us. And, you know, some, some of them would like us to fail. But some of them would like us to succeed. They're looking to see if there's really something to this Christianity business. And you know what? <clears throat> it's good. It is good for us. The will of God is good for us. But folks, it's an opportunity, if you will, for us to shine for our Lord. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, look, if you will, Matthew 5 and 14. <clears throat> It says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, it's amazing sometimes when a sinner gets saved by the grace of God and suddenly his life changes and the people that knew, what, knew him before he was saved or her before she was saved suddenly look at them and say, Wow. What's wrong? I mean, what's going on with these folks? A change has taken place. They no longer want to go with us and do the things we used to do, like drinking, drugs, whatever. Now they want to go to church? <laughs> and sometimes three times on Sunday? These people must be out of their minds. And if they only knew who that you had to listen to, they'd say, you're out of your mind. 
go to church, and then on Wednesday of all things? Isn't three times on Sunday enough? You know, folks, it's never enough. And you know, when you're not in church, and you're trying to live for God, trying to be like the Lord, people see it because they're watching. And some will wait for your halting, for your faltering, and some are waiting to see, you know what? They really are different. And what is there about them that I need? What is there about them that I need? Folks, it's only going to happen with the help of God in uh, Revelation 1. Revelation 1 and 8. Revelation 1 and 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now Jesus Christ is calling himself, the risen Christ is calling himself the Almighty God. Almighty, that means he has all power. No one's greater in power than God. And God has, you know, determined that when you get saved by the grace of God, you and I will be like Christ. You you and I will be like Christ one way or another. And Psalm 40, look with me there. Psalm 40 and verse 1. Psalm 40 and verse 1. Is that slow burping or hiccuping? Hiccuping. Don't you just hate that? I don't like hiccuping. But sometimes it's, be- you know what? Sometimes it's because I've been eating too fast. We won't go there. Anyway, Psalm 40 in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. And establish my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, They are more than can be numbered. He's talking about the work of God. Folks, not only in saving and bringing him out of the horrible pit, putting his feet, establishing his life on the rock, Christ Jesus, but he's put a new song in in, in his heart, even praising God. And people are going to see that. And they're going to recognize something has happened and maybe in time to come you can tell them about the many wonderful works of God that God has done for you in salvation and beyond Salvation is just the beginning of good and great works that God will do for you and I. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, for a purpose, in Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of, of his resurrection, 
knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You know, God wants us to walk in newness of life. Our baptism pictures our death, burial, and resurrection. Death to sin, our burial, and resurrection to a new life, a new walk in Christ Jesus. And folks, that is the will of God, that we be like the Lord. We walk in newness of life, but we can only do that according to the work of God in our hearts and our lives. It takes the power of God, if you will, in Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit the moment we're saved, and we see a change that comes over the life of the believer. In Galatians 5 and 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings of such the like and such the like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The works of the flesh are easy. We do them naturally without God. And yet God, when he saves us by his grace, says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. He's talking about they that of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of, and lusts. And you know what, folks? God is at work in us to bring about our death. The death of the old man, the death of the, the lust of the flesh. And he's, you know what he wants to do is replace it with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's working, the fruit of God's presence in our lives, making us like the Lord. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. The moment you're saved, the greatest work that could ever be done is being accomplished in your life. Not only does he save you, you're eternally saved. You know what, folks, no matter what, you will always be saved. No matter what, Lazarus was always saved, though he died. And I think it's most interesting that when the Lord brings him again from the dead, he suffers no ill effects from having died. No ill effects. And it comes away, if you will, rejoicing in what the Lord had done, you know, even though he died. And I don't know what led up. He was sick unto death and finally died. I don't know what he suffered along the way. But after death came a new life. Amen? After death came a new life. After our death to us and what we want in salvation comes a new life in Jesus Christ because of the God that lives within. The Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory. Not just the glory and the hope of heaven, but the glory of being like our Lord to the glory of God. You know what? To God be the glory, great things he hath done and is doing. Amen. Has done and is doing. The Bible says, for it is God which worketh in you. Philippians chapter 2, look over there with me. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13. 
Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, verse 12, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's something we have to do. Obey the Lord, live for God if you can. But then he says this afterward, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now it is God's will that, that we live for God, that we be like Christ, but it is not a work that we do on our, on our own. It is not a work that we do on our own without the Lord in second, or excuse me, second Corinthians chapter three. Second Corinthians chapter three. Looking at verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. You know, we're free in Christ not to live as we please, but to live as he pleases. And he says there's liberty. But we all, verse 18, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what the Spirit of God's going to want us to do? Listen, He wants us to see the glory of God in this glass, in this mirror. And you know what He wants? He wants to see us change from this image, if you will, the image of what we've been, to the image that we see. The image of God that we see. God wants to stamp his image in our hearts and in our lives by his work through the word of God. You know, you and I, you and I never see Jesus, although some have professed to see Jesus. And what if we did see a glimpse of Jesus physically? What would that do for us? Nothing. It's when we see Jesus every day, every day here, that something happens, something changes. God is helping us to see Christ and say, helping, helping us to see, you know what? This is what I want you to be. This is whom I'd like you to be like. Amen? And folks, nothing better than that. You know, we're looking for role models. We're looking for examples to follow. Follow Christ. Amen. Paul said, be you followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. You know, follow those who are following Christ. Follow those who are trying by the grace of God to be like Christ. Amen. Let the Lord work in you. Cooperate with what he's trying to do in you. <clears throat> Ephesians 4. On a personal level, in, your, in the Word of God, and on a collective level, in the house of God. Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know what, folks?
God wants us to be, if you will, one day in the, in the very measure and stature of Christ to be perfect. Now, we won't be perfect without sin. But we will be more and more like Christ. And folks, one of the reasons the church is so important in your life and in mine is so that, that beyond what we learn on our own from the Scripture, we can go to a place where, where people make it their responsibility, God has called them to it, and they make it their responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth, speak the truth to you in love, to help you to grow up, to help you to mature, to help you by the grace of God to be more like the Lord. And God is working through His Spirit in that place and in your heart to fulfill His will to the glory of of God, Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And you know, sometimes we think, you know what, surely, surely I'm failing. Surely I can't, surely I'm just not what I ought to be. Surely I'm a failure. Surely I'm a miserable example of a, as a Christian. Surely I'm not what I ought to be. But what about the power that worketh in us? What about the God that's working in us? What about the, the predetermined plan of God to make us into the image of Christ? It is God, he says here, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, above all that we ask or think. And sometimes we can't imagine that we'll ever get to be where, what God wants us to be. But you know what? according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him, or, Christ, or God, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God, when you come to church, God is working in your heart to make you like our Lord Jesus Christ for his glory and our good. Amen. And you and I are not alone in this. You know, if it were just you and I trying to somehow meet a certain standard, let me, let, me, let me tell you this, none of us could be like the Lord, like we ought to be. But it's not us alone. It is God which worketh in us. He works through his word, James 1. As we've seen much lately, in verse 1, James, the servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you get into a traffic uh, accident and your car is wrecked and the guy's dragging you down the road and you're thinking, boy, this is fun. It doesn't really read that way. <laughs> and your neck hurts and your back hurts and your arm hurts. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. <clears throat> Sometimes where there be circumstances, like I've just mentioned, that have happened recently to one of us, <laughs> or whatever else it may be, the trials and difficulties that God allows or even brings into our life, have a purpose 
of establishing our faith, helping it to grow. Folks, helping us to learn that with God, with God, all things are possible. Even even the renovation of this 100-year-old building that will take approximately three months and that we'll be so glad that we're looking back on one day. There are times in the course of dealing with some of this, I've shook my head and thought, you know what, I don't know how this is going to work. And sometimes it's because I'm looking at me. Sometimes it's because I'm looking at you. And I think, how are we going to get this done? You know, God provided the funds. God's provided us help. And God will bring us through. Amen. God has a plan and purpose. And sometimes, you know, even this, even this is good for us as a church. We waited a long time to get a building. We've asked God to help us. He's provided funds, a way to renovate the building. And there's going to be some things we learn about trusting God for success and victory in this project. Amen. Already, already God's doing things. And I, you know what, I look forward to being able to look back and see, see what the Lord has done. Amen. But why can't we look forward to what he is going to do? Whether it be in our situation or your individual situations. Amen. And we all have them. We all have different things going on in our lives. Not always do we have the fun of being in a car accident. Amen. We can't all have that. Sometimes we're dealing with other things. Things that seem insurmountable. And yet God is going to help us to learn that, you know what? My grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. My grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. You know what? We need the Lord. And I don't care what it is and what the circumstances. We need the Lord. He's there for us. We need him. And you know what? He will prove himself to be God for us. Amen. He will prove himself to be God for us. He will make us what we cannot make ourselves. He will accomplish his will to the glory of God because he's God. Amen. And he is God in you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.